Well, good evening, everyone, and uh, happy Thanksgiving, first and foremost. This is Pastor Joe Friedland from City Point Church. Tonight, on a special edition of Your Questions, God's Questions, which I have done on uh, Monday nights throughout the pandemic, uh, but haven't been in front of the camera for a little while, uh, just waiting for a compelling question, and one has come. Uh, but I would invite you, if you have questions about the Bible, God, Christianity, religion, uh, that you want answered on this format, I will do that if you contact me with a question. And uh, you can do that through our website, citypointchurch.ca, which has all of our contact information. You can contact us by email, by phone, by um, a text, uh, all kinds of things there. So uh, tonight we're going to deal with another another one of these questions. This one is uh, quite controversial, uh, but uh, I would invite you to take a look at our library. Uh, all of the, the um, episodes that I have done for this are on our website, citypointchurch.ca. Hit the Connect tab and click Sermons and do a search for your questions, God's questions. I think I've got about 50 episodes there. All kinds of things, questions that we ask God, but also questions that God asks us, and he asks us some good questions in the Scripture as well. And I would invite you tonight to share the broadcast, uh, regardless of your view on this. I invite people to participate. You can uh, use the comments section if you would like to make a comment or perhaps even have a prayer request. I would be happy to take care of that on this broadcast and post your comment in it and embed it in it. Uh, so good evening to you. I see there's a couple of people on right now, so don't be shy. Tonight the question is, uh, of course, about the pandemic and specifically about a so-called religious exemption. Now, what's going on in uh, it's going on in the U.S. It's going on in Canada, is that because of the the efficiency of the uh, COVID nineteen vaccines, and remember, COVID nineteen is the disease, SARS CoV two is the virus, and uh, so these vaccines, because of the the efficiency of them, the governments are squeezing in some ways and they are saying um, okay now we're, we're going to put in a passport system where you cannot do such and such an activity without showing your passport uh, you can't go to a restaurant you can't go to a, some type of a theater uh, you can't go to a gym without showing your passport which indicates you have been doubly vaccinated um, and they're going further now, and the Canadian uh, government has announced last week that uh, federal workers and just you know anybody even connected uh, with that whole system has to be fully vaccinated. Uh, Crown corporations need to follow suit. Uh, people traveling on trains and planes will have to be fully vaccinated traveling within Canada. Here in the province of Quebec, it's just been in the news about uh, the mandatory uh, uh, doubly vaxxed, fully vaxxed. Uh, uh, people are, you know, they have to be fully vaxxed if they're working in the healthcare 
profession. Uh, if you've been watching the news, you probably saw a clip of my twin brother, who is a nurse at the Lakeshore General Hospital in the West Island of Montreal, uh, giving his uh, his two cents about it. And you, if you see that clip, that is my twin brother indeed. And so the question comes up, and I have uh, had a lot of communication last week about this, as to whether um, there's a such thing as a so-called religious exemption. This is getting more and more popula popular, uh, especially in the United States, but also in Canada. I have seen uh, letters uh, in different provinces where people are asking pastors to write letters of exemption and to say that so-and-so is exempt from uh, taking the vaccine and I support their exemption uh, for such and such a reason. And we call this a religious exemption. And there are some places in Canada that will tolerate this if the letter is written. I have been asked uh, so far one time to uh, write such a letter myself and this request I think is going to get more and more common. Uh, for pastors and churches to deal with. And so I think it's appropriate for us to answer this question from the Scripture. Uh, does the Bible give us a so-called religious exemption? In other words, is there something in the Bible that would say that uh, on religious grounds, on for in our case, on biblical grounds, um, a person uh, uh, should not or does not have to take uh, this vaccine. We'll say this vaccine for argument's sake because that's the one that everyone's focused on uh, right now. Uh, so we want to answer this question. And uh, it was put to me um, uh, last week uh, with also a series of scripture verses to uh, justify such a uh, position. Now, uh, I need to start first and foremost by saying that I am pro-vaccine. Uh, I encourage people to take vaccines. I uh, come from a science background and uh, look at vaccines as essentially the scientific world admitting that God has created us fearfully and wonderfully with an incredible immune system. And what the vaccines do is they simply get the immune system ready to target, seek, and destroy the virus, and I've said this in a sermon recently, you can check it out uh, on our website or Facebook or YouTube channel, about being fearfully and wonderfully made from Psalm 139. And uh, this virus is a very clever, very savvy uh, hijacker. And what it does is it uses the cell's uh, machinery to take the cell over and to replicate itself and to take over the human body and kill it if necessary uh, to survive. That's what it does. It's a survivor and it will jump from body to body in order to hijack and survive. And it's a very clever, very successful, very efficient virus having gone around the world. That's why we use the, the word pandemic. This is not an epidemic. This is a pandemic, which means it's all around the world. And so in order to, to destroy the hijacker, to kill the hijacker, and I'm using this language purposefully uh, because that's essentially what it is, uh, in order to do that, the body has this immune system. And the immune system learns uh, the genetic code for the virus, develops 
antibodies, which look like little Ys if you go inside of a cell and look really, 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 really closely with the technology that's available today. They look like a letter Y. And they will go and seek and destroy and uh, eliminate this, these viruses from the body. That's what, that's what our, our body is designed to do. Now, the problem is, if you don't have those antibodies and that virus gets in you, what it will do is it will get busy very fast. And while your body is trying to figure out what in the world is in it, uh, it will take over. And sometimes uh, your body will will turn on itself. Uh, people have passed away from the disease of COVID-19 in some cases because their immune system is actually gone on overload and has turned on its own self and uh, this happens as well and so you don't know what your body is going to do um, uh, when you catch it and so what the vaccines do is they uh, prepare the immune system get those little wires ready so that they can seek and destroy that hijacker when it comes in to try and take us over. And that's literally what it does in a biological sense, okay? So uh, I make no apologies for being pro-vaccine, and I realize there may be some of you watching right now who are opposed to my position, and that's okay. You can feel free to post any comments you like, any questions you like. I'm willing to entertain them. So long as you keep your language civil, uh, I, will, I will be happy to deal with that. Uh, but um, I want to, to again answer this question, right? So does the Bible teach that there, there is a reason from the Bible uh, to say, no, I'm not taking uh, this vaccine? And uh, I'll give you the passages of Scripture that are commonly used. Uh, the first one um, is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in the Bible's New Testament and chapter uh, 17. And uh, this, uh, I take it, uh, because this text is used in so many different uh, applications, sometimes misused, uh, but I take it that uh, this, the reason why this is used is because of the alleged connection between the vaccines and the uh, aborted uh, uh, babies. And uh, so here's the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses, um, I'll start at verse... Uh, verse 16, uh, which reads this way, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, as sacred and you are that Temple. Now, here, the you uh, is being used in both an individual sense and a corporate sense. In other places in Corinthians, it's used to describe the church, the community of faith. Um, and so the argument here is that, well, um, your these vaccines are connected to uh, uh, aborted uh, tissue of aborted babies, uh, which have been destroyed. This is the body of the temple, body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the body was destroyed by the abortion. And therefore, if we are taking the vaccine into our bodies, we are complicit in that. And therefore, God will judge us. Now, uh, it needs to be said, uh, again, this is uh, from a scientific perspective, that indeed, 
uh, in the development of these uh, these vaccines, uh, there is what's called a cell line that is used to develop them. And a cell line is essentially a clone of tissue, uh, in this case, tissue from an aborted baby from the 1970s. There's a very famous uh, cell line, I forget the code number for it, but is used in the development of a great deal of medication, over-the-counter stuff, prescription stuff, vaccines. It's all over the place. It is not the tissue of the aborted baby. It is a clone of the tissue multiplied time and time and time over that is used in the research and the development of the vaccine. So when you put a vaccine in you, you are not putting the tissue of an aborted baby in your body. You're putting a, uh, a vaccine that's been developed uh, and um, tested using a, uh, a cell line. And the cell line is a clone that has attachment to uh, an aborted baby. And uh, even the Roman Catholic Church uh, it's, it has uh, supported the vaccines, and they have the most anti-abortion position on the planet. And they support the vaccines as well, uh, knowing full well uh, the history and the development of the vaccines uh, with this cell line. Again, very difficult to avoid the cell line. It's probably uh, been used uh, for your insulin medication that you, some of you inject. Uh, it's been used in some of the over-the-counter over stuff that you take. It's, it's very difficult to avoid. Uh, it's a very well-known uh, cell line, okay? But that's the, the text that is used, and uh, I think it would be safe to say that the text is not um, applicable uh, in this particular uh, case. So uh, what he's saying here is that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit because there was no temple. Uh, the temple, um, uh, well, maybe not by that time, but what he's saying is that the true temple of God is not physical like the structure. The true temple of God is you. It's you as people. And this is pre-destruction of the temple, which would happen in A.D. 70. But already the Apostle Paul is saying that's passe. The idea that God is worshipped in a place uh, you are the place. You are the place where God dwells. And uh, it follows suit then that you have a very high respect for uh, for the place where God dwells or for the body and hence for the community of faith, the church. So that's the, the right application of this. And I think we could go further and say that uh, this text could touch upon the abortion debate and say because of the high respect for the body as the temple of the Holy Spirit, it, you could uh, use this um, in the abortion discussion and say, well, if that's true, then how would God feel about the destruction of the baby in the earliest stages of development? Um, and so you may come out a, a pro, pro-life after reading a text like this along with a number of other texts, but it does not apply uh, in this case to the vaccine. Okay, uh, let me give you another one that's, uh, that's used here, and that's uh, the book of Acts, chapter 5 and verse 29. 
um, these texts are typically all from all over the place and they're kind of jumbled together. Uh, we call this technique proof texting. When we take a passage of scripture here and a passage of scripture there and we jumble them together to form an argument, we call this a proof text. Uh, it's a bit of a dangerous tactic because proof texts typically remove their text from their context and context is key when we're interpreting the Bible, and I have uh, said that time and time again. Here's another example from Acts chapter 5 and uh, verse 29. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. Um, Okay, so uh, we can take that passage pull it out of its context and say, ah, you you see, uh, um, the government is telling us to do this, and it's it's morally wrong, and, uh, uh, you, you know, again, using perhaps the argument of the connection or alleged connection with an aborted baby from the 1970s, uh, which we've already said factually isn't really the case, uh, but anyway... You see, they're forcing us to do something. Men, this is a law of men, the rules of men, and we must obey God rather than men. Ha ha. And using this text this way. Well, the context of this text is there is a, a very severe religious persecution that's happening here. Uh, and back then in the first century, you did not have a so-called separation between church and state or between religion and politics. There was a religious court uh, back then. The Sanhedrin was a religious court. Uh, so you didn't have this kind of distinction between religion and politics. It was all intertwined together. And what's going on here is the apostles are being uh, uh, persecuted uh, because of their preaching about Jesus and the resurrection and so on. And, uh, you know, they're, the Sanhedrin is very upset, and they're saying, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Name it. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood, that is, Jesus. And to that, Peter and the apostles answer, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead. So by preaching the resurrection from the dead in the public sphere, in the temple courts, um, they were viciously persecuted, but this was a religious persecution. This has nothing to do uh, uh, with uh, you know some sort of uh, non-religious law or mandate that is passed uh, in a time of pandemic. This is clearly a religious persecution. And on religious grounds, they said no. We are not going to stop talking about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We'll face whatever consequences you want to give to us, religious court of the Sanhedrin, the same way that Jesus faced the consequences that they meted out on him. Jesus faced the same court. Um, and so to try and take this passage and to to uh, apply it to what's going on today where you have governments that are saying, listen, uh, we're going to make this as mandatory as we can make it. Uh, it's not like we're strapping people down to a chair and injecting them, but we're going to make it. We're we're, we're going to make it difficult to do some things, again because of the high efficiency of this vaccine. We're not talking about a vaccine that's fifty percent efficient. We're talking about a vaccine that's about ninety-five percent efficient against slowing 
the spread of this disease. That's uh, rather insane statistics for a uh, vaccine. Uh, and to have developed it that quickly, and again, some uh, say, well, you know, it's developed too quickly and they're skeptical. You have to understand what happened there. All of the, the typical roadblocks, all of the typical financial roadblocks, political roadblocks, uh, geographical roadblocks even, were all removed for this. Uh, this was a worldwide effort to try and uh, develop technology and develop this, this vaccine this quickly. That's unprecedented in history. Usually it does not work like that at all. You don't get people working together like that at all. You don't get that kind of stress, that kind of demand, that kind of urgency at all. So you have it now. And we're fortunate enough to live in this time where we can do things really, really quickly if we want to and get things done a whole lot quicker without a lot of red tape and a lot of back and forth and a lot of political meandering and a lot of financial hurdles and all of this. Uh, and this is why it was developed so quickly. But back to our text, to take that text and use it as justification to say, no, I'm not going to, to do this. I'm not going to uh, um, uh, submit to this because I must obey God rather than men. Uh, contextually, uh, this would not be uh, the right way of interpreting the passage. If, on the other hand, you were in a religious context and you were being told you will keep your mouth closed about Christianity because the religion around here is XYZ religion and you cannot talk about Christianity. If you talk about Christianity, we're going to persecute you. Then you would be on good ground to say, well, persecute me if you will, because I must obey God rather than men. But that's not what's happening right now. The government is not saying, uh, don't talk about your Jesus, uh, or I'm going to put you in jail, at least not here in, in Canada. You know, you may talk about Jesus and face a little bit of heat, but it certainly doesn't, doesn't match at all what's going on in the book of Acts uh, chapter 5. So it's not a really good application uh, of the text to use it this way. Uh, another one that's used here, I'm going to put on from the Old Testament. It's from Leviticus chapter uh, 17. And again, please don't be shy. You can put comments and questions. Agree, disagree. Go ahead and put it on and, uh, and I will uh, try and address it. Uh, but this is from uh, way back in the book of Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. This is actually a text that's used by Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, which they are one of the largest and most well-organized cults uh, in the world. Uh, any Israelite or any alien living among them who eats any blood... I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from his people. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood, nor may any alien living among you eat blood alien you think of think of the word refugee alien is a, an old way of translating the word a bit of an offensive word but think of refugee perhaps or uh, someone trying to be in the camp of israel who was not from there originally 
Um, so this is a prohibition back in the book of Leviticus that people try to use it today uh, to say, well, you need to oppose the, the vaccine on this ground. Well, I mean, it, it, again, in its context, what's going on there is God is saying uh, there's a very, very high respect for blood because it is the it is number one blood that makes atonement so back then they would use the blood of animals to atone for the sins of the people and because of that god is said to those people you will not eat that because it's not used for that that is to to um uh, degrade it that is to to in a sense uh, blaspheme because you're 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 eating like as a meal what is used for the atonement of your sin so he didn't want uh blood in the animal he wanted it all drained and and so on this is this was the law uh, the dietary law that god had put on those people for that reason um, and then he goes on to say the life of the creature is in the blood. That's actually biologically quite uh, a statement to make because there's a lot of truth to that. Um, now, Jehovah's Witnesses use this text to uh, oppose transfusions, but if you look at it in its context, it would actually support transfusions because the high respect for blood and the life of is in the blood, well, why not give life then, right? Uh, and I actually have answered this question uh, before, and you'll find the episode if you dig around uh, on our website, you will you will see it there. Uh, so to use this uh, in the context of this vaccine somehow as if to say, well, you know, maybe we're making ourselves impure by putting this vaccine in us, it's going to contaminate our blood or something, well, that really isn't what the vaccine does at all, right? What the vaccine does is it teaches your uh, immune system to create those antibodies. So it's not doing anything to harm you or to harm your blood or anything like that. And so uh, even if you lived in the time of Leviticus, and we had vaccine technology, which they didn't back then, but even if you did, you probably still wouldn't even think to apply this in an anti-vaccine position, okay? So it's another way of, again, proof texting and pulling the, the passage out of its context, its original context, and using it in the 21st century in a, in a way that's, that's askew. As far as uh, uh, interpretation of the scripture, it's it's off the mark there. Um, now, it also needs to be said in the book of Acts, there is a prohibition against eating blood. Uh, and there again, in the in the context, it's we've got these Gentiles who are coming to Christ and we've got these Jewish people who are uh, coming to Christ and the Jewish people are looking at these Gentiles and saying, you know, they're not circumcised. They have these behaviors uh, and, you know, there, there's there's problems. And so what happens is the, the, the leadership there says, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make it real simple for these Gentiles who are coming to Christ. They don't have to be circumcised. That's that's wrong to put that on them. Uh, to put that yoke on them. But we want these Jew and the Gentile believer to live in peace. So one of the prohibitions was don't eat that blood or the, uh, the 
depends on how you read the translation there. Uh, and this was out of respect for the Jewish believers because it would be greatly offensive to them. Uh, but it, this is not a prohibition against eating, you know, for example, a raw steak uh, or whatever, you know, uh, uh, meal that people have. Some people enjoy. Uh, there's a there's a Quebec uh, dish. I forget what you call it, but it's um, it's uh, it's it's blood from like mixed with pork. And uh, some people in Quebec really enjoy that. Uh, th- this is not a prohibition against that. This is to help the Jewish believer and the Gentile believer live in harmony. And this is great advice uh, given by the leadership in the book of Acts chapter 15. Okay, just throw that in. And the last one uh, that, it, that is used, at least that I've run across, is uh, from Revelation chapter 13. And I've already answered this question uh, before they even had a vaccine. I, I did a, a, a podcast on this as well. Uh, but this is the famous, won't, doesn't seem to go away, this one, the famous uh, Mark of the Beast question. And verse 17 of chapter 13 of the book of Revelation, uh, I'll start at verse 16. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand, or on his forehead, curious, I've never seen anyone injected in the hand by the uh, vaccine, never seen that one before, Uh, but anyway, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast, or the number of his name, this calls for wisdom, if anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number, and his number is 666. And so the argument goes, ah, you see, we are being forced here. Uh, We cannot go to the restaurant. We cannot go to the theater. We cannot go to the gym. We cannot so-called spend the money unless we get this injection. You know, this this is the mark of the beast, you know. And so on religious grounds, we're going to uh, oppose because that's what it is. Well, I mean, if you, if you read the context of this passage, uh, what you have here starting in verse 11, then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. So there's two of them. And he had two horns like a lamb and he spoke like a dragon. Okay, so how does a dragon speak? Uh, we're not sure, right? This is this is apocalyptic language and imagery that's being used here. He exercised all the authority on uh, of the first beast on its behalf, and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. So, you, what you have here uh, is an interpretation question. If you are going to interpret the mark of the beast as a literal physical mark that goes on the right hand, because it says right hand, or on the forehead, and you interpret that in a literalistic sense, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be, I'm just saying if you use that uh, uh, method of approach to the text, we call that a hermeneutic. So if you use that hermeneutic and you're saying, that's the way I'm approaching this text, well, then you have to be fair and interpret the rest of the passage the same way, which means you're looking 
even if you're using a metaphor, you're looking for some type of world leader who uh, forces um, people to worship another world leader. And apparently that world leader was killed and healed. Uh, he suffered a fatal wound and had been healed. Uh, okay, maybe you're not looking for beasts with literal horns. Uh, maybe you're going to back off that way of interpreting it. But you're still kind of forced to say, I'm looking at least for a world leader who uh, gets killed and gets raised from the dead. And then another world leader forces people to worship the first world leader. And he performs great and miraculous signs and even causes fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. So you have to see some type of supernatural signs, including fire from the sky uh, coming down. That's a literalistic interpretation of the passage, right? You can't do it for the mark and not do it for the rest. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. And I know the narrative, you know, we've all been deceived by the, by the government and the, but you know, this vaccine's going to, going to kill us all. But again, read, read all of this in context. What we are supposed to see, if we look at this in a literalistic way, we are not seeing at all. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Have you seen uh, a world leader killed by a sword? and survive and live and come back from the dead no have you seen another world leader make a statue of that person no he was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so he's going to make a statue talk so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed so there is a forced worship of an idol of a leader who was killed by a sword and rose again. That's a literalistic interpretation of the passage. Have you seen that? Have any of us seen that? The answer is no. He also forced everyone. In other words, not your choice. He forced everyone, small and great, rich or poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand of the forehead. And uh, we read later that the people who refuse this mark are beheaded. And we read that this mark is not only to uh, participate in commercial activity, but is also a clear allegiance of worship to this beast, whoever or whatever it is. So uh, am I saying that, that a literalistic interpretation of this is impossible? No. What I'm saying is, if we interpret it in a literalistic fashion, we have to see all of those things as well. And we clearly have not seen any of those things. So to, again, take this thing with this vaccine and somehow pull it uh, and put it on this, this passage in Revelation 13 is to interpret a, a miss and to try and uh, make something say something and apply to something that it simply doesn't do. So when we read the scripture in context, which means we look at the the, the verses before, we look at the verses after, we look at the type of literature, we look at the, the book itself, and we try to say, what did this thing mean to the people who originally heard it, who originally read it? What did it mean to them? When we know what it means to them, then we can know what it means to us. 
but we can't do the reverse and say, well, you know, it means this to us and therefore it must have meant that to them. Be careful. Respect the text. The original audience is not us. The original audience is back there and we have to go back there and we have to say, all right, if I'm going to get this right, I need to know what it meant to them first. I can't just run to the 21st century and take something that's going on right now and say, well, this is the way I think the text is what I think it means. So it must mean that and it must have meant that for 2000 years. Not necessarily. Sometimes you have to do a little bit of digging and you have to say, wait a second, what did this thing mean to those people? And when you figure that out, you're on much better ground. That is a discipline of interpreting the scripture. And it takes a little bit of work and it takes a little bit of effort. It takes a little bit of hunting around. Uh, But we used to use lots of books for this. Now we have the internet. I mean, we can learn to interpret very quickly, but we have to at the same time be patient. Don't jump around from passage to passage and scripture to scripture just because you see the same word here and there and try and put together this proof texting argument. It could lead you down a path that leads you astray. So uh, um, is there any religious ground from the Bible to exempt people from taking, let's say, this vaccine or any vaccine? And the answer is no. In fact, you will not find this in any major religion. They're all endorsing that people take this vaccine. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church is endorsing it. The Protestant Church, for the most part, is endorsing it. Uh, you have little pockets of people who, who you know, again, use proof texts and so on to try and build an argument. But the official position is is for. Islam is for. The Jehovah's Witnesses even are for. The Latter-day Saints are for. Uh, you only have very small fringe movements who try and build arguments that say that there's some sort of religious exemption uh, against this vaccine. So uh, this is my personal uh, look at, at the scripture and trying to interpret it rightly. And I think we're on very, very safe ground there to say, folks, we've got nothing from the Bible to justify that, uh, you know, we've got some religious reason. On the contrary, we have lots of reasons from the Bible to encourage it. I've mentioned the fearfully and wonderfully made immune system, but also the basic, basic Jesus statement, love your neighbor as yourself. When you take a vaccine and you're fully vaccinated, what you're doing there is not only for you you're not only teaching your body to make those antibodies so that they can target and seek and destroy that hijacker when it comes into your body and by the way you can still catch it even though you're vaccinated you can still catch the virus virus doesn't know you're vaccinated it'll jump it'll jump into a body that's 98.6 degrees and see what it can find there um but the thing is when you're fully vaccinated your body will will have a much higher likelihood of uh, saying, aha, I know you, I'm prepared for you, and I'm going to destroy you, and I'm going to destroy you in about two or three days. And uh, you're going to have less symptoms, you're going to have less chance of spreading it to somebody else. So it's not only for you, it's for other people too. Love your neighbor as your 
self. If we really want to mean business with this thing, uh, then we will use every tool in our arsenal to destroy this hijacker. And when we've got a vaccine that's 95% efficient, this thing went 95% in phase three trials. That's tens of thousands of people uh, that we discovered, my goodness, this thing is quite efficient. And what are we seeing? Right now, we're seeing four out of five, sometimes as much as 90% of people who are uh, new, new positive cases, stepping into hospitals and emergency wards, they're not either not vaccinated at all or not fully vaccinated. This is a common statistic. We're seeing it every single day. When you have statistics like that, just from a data point of view, that is extremely compelling evidence that uh, you have a high efficacy in uh, these vaccines. If you didn't, then you'd have people coming into hospitals and it would be like, wow, you know, these people are fully vaxxed and they're awfully sick, even though they're fully vaxxed. It's like it didn't do anything at all. This isn't what we're seeing day after day. We're seeing the opposite. So what we have is the fearfully and wonderfully made immune system. We have the preaching of Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength from the Old Testament. And love your neighbor as yourself. And when you, when you do things like get fully vaxxed, implicitly you're demonstrating that not only do you care about yourself, but you care about your immediate family, who you could pass the thing to unwillingly. You care about your people around you, your community, who you could pass the thing unwillingly, and so on. And so there, I think there is justification from the Bible to take it and not to uh, refuse it. Again, uh, this is the view that I teach. I think I think I'm on good ground in teaching that uh, from the Scripture. And I would close just by addressing. Uh, those who say, well, you know, my natural immunity is going to be more effective than whether or not I take a vaccine. Now, uh, that's a that's an interesting statement. But what that is, is a gamble because you're not you don't know how your immune system is going to react. Uh, I know people who have had covid twice in a year uh, before the vaccines came out. I know someone who had it twice in one year, a, a priest in training, no less. And uh, he was quite sick, quite sick for a long time, but of course recovered. And you say, you see, uh, he recovered. And so, you know, natural immunity. Well, uh, the, the problem with that view is that uh, you don't know what your immune system is going to do when you get it. Um, now, you know, 98, 99 people out of 100, their immune system is going to take care of it just fine and uh, maybe without a vaccine. But you've got to understand, 98 or 99 people out of 100, there's one left. And what this virus does is it makes people a one out of 100 or one and a half out of 100 very seriously sick or worse. One and a half out of 100 is very, very high for a virus. You say, well, it's 1%, 1 1.5%. That's not high at all. It's very high. Would you want to be that one person? Uh, I wouldn't. Um, If there's a vaccine that's sufficient, uh, that efficient, that it's keeping people out of hospitals, um, I would take it. Uh, Some people have asked me about a booster. 
Uh, will I take it? Yes, I will. If it uh, if it runs through the trials and is authorized, uh, I do indeed uh, trust the the uh, the people who run these trials and and the data and the science. And I look at the studies and look at the raw data um, that comes out, and it consistently uh, favors the use of these vaccines. So you don't know what your body's going to do. And some of you, you've had it once before and you said, oh, I'm never going to be affected by it again. That's not always true. The virus mutates. It changes. Uh, it, it, uh, that's what viruses do. And the longer that it lives, the more that it mutates and the more variants you get. And so you may get it again. And what's your body going to do the second time? Is it going to freak out uh, like like has happened to scores and scores? Thousands of people have had their bodies turn on them. Uh, even though some of them have been extremely healthy, they have had that happen. We've had local cases here in Quebec of athletes, people in great shape, and they've lost their lives because their body literally went crazy on them when they got this virus. You simply do not know. It's a gamble uh, that is not uh, recommended, at least not by health professionals. What what health professionals are recommending across the board is to uh, use this vaccine. So uh, anyway, back to the question. Uh, I do not think that we have any ground from the scripture to uh, be exempt from uh, taking the COVID-19 vaccine. And I hear some of you saying, wow, you know, you're really strong about this. And uh, well, I mean, I know friends who have died from it. I have a neighbor who who died of it, uh, close friends uh, who have died of it. And when it starts to get that close to you, you your position uh, starts to, you know, you really start to think about it. Um, people who attend our church, uh, we do not uh, enforce the vaccine passport. Uh, we meet in a movie theater. They do not uh, apply it to us, uh, at least not at the present time. Uh, but we we operate under very safe standards with masks, and we have hand sanitizer and distancing and so on. And so uh, we're doing well, and we haven't had any outbreaks or anything like that uh, as a result because we operate in a very wise fashion. But uh, all to say, I hope that this is uh, helpful. I haven't seen any comments or any agree- disagreements or agreements here, so I guess you're all thinking about it. Feel free to forward this content to those who might be interested, and I will do a plug for a website called christiansandthevaccine.com. Uh, very, very good um uh, information on that website, christiansandthevaccine.com, for those of you who may be questioning. And you want to see, uh, you know, from a Christian perspective, what's the argument uh, for uh, in a non-condemning fashion. I think you will enjoy the content that you see on that website. So God bless you, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, again, you have any questions, you fire them off to me, connect with me through our website, and I'd be happy to answer them on the air for another edition of Your Questions, God's Questions. Until then, God bless you, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, and have a great evening tonight.